Welcome to Market Scale Building Management. I'm Sean Heath. Today, I get to have a conversation with Brandon Borland. He's the Director of Marketing for Facility Solutions Group, also known as FSG. Brandon, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing so well. It's scary, Sean. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Uh, it's a Friday, so that makes it double well, I guess. Beautiful. Have more than uh, it is. A, it's a good. It's a good day. I'm really happy. I have a chance to talk to you today because you get to work in uh, an industry. I'm I'm always fascinated with with big scale physical uh, buildings mm-hmm. and projects and look at it. And I think, man, if I had been the guy that had helped build that, I would look at that and go. That's cool. I helped build that. That would be a you know be something I would be able to be proud of. That that's uh, monumental. Something that's tangible. And you get to work around and in and under and above. And you get to be a part of all that from all different types of aspects. So how in the world did you win the lottery and wind up doing what you do for a living? <laughs> well, you know, it's actually kind of funny because uh, the truth is that actually my background is technology. Um, not really construction, not really lighting, not really electrical. And so to kind of uh, land where I've landed, I look back on it and uh, it is a mystery. I'm not 100% sure how I got here. All I can say is divine intervention. And here I am today. But but really, if, if you want me to draw out the roadmap, um, my background is technology. I also have a background, um, I would say, non-professionally in speaking and theater and some stuff like that, you know, volunteering, community theater, that sort of thing. So when you take those two skill sets and you put them together, um, you you realize that uh, that's a skill set that's in demand because a lot of technology folks can't really communicate technology. They're really good at working on it. Um, so when you find somebody that can communicate it and can understand it and then uh, apply it in an industry like construction or, or uh, the trades like electrical, uh, that's a really um, that's a really neat skill set that I don't think anybody else would pay me for. So I'm really I really feel blessed to be here and really enjoy it. I always describe one of the several languages that I speak as I'm able to translate between engineer and English. Oh yeah, I mean office space completely. You know, um, I bring the specs to the engineers. I'm a people person. It is a a communication skill, and you're right. It's pretty rare. It's not something that's easy to do, but once you have it, you look and you think, how come everybody can't do this? Uh, I don't know if there's a, a the price of entry into going down that technological rabbit hole and then coming out alive on the other side is, I don't know. That, I think maybe it's intimidating, but you work really hard on a daily basis and making sure that the technology and the solutions you come up with don't seem intimidating to the customers. I mean, you really approach it from a, hey, this is cool. We got your back sort of approach. That's got to be very, uh, very comforting to your clients when you start a project, when you're in the middle of the project. Mm -hmm. And when the project's finally finished, they feel like, hey, I was a part of that. That's cool. You're exactly right, Sean. I mean, if you think about it, we are all living a story every day. Every single one of us has a story of our life, and, and that story involves our friends, it involves spouses, it involves children, grandchildren, whatever the case is. But we have a story that we are living out, and that story, uh, just our human nature, you know, not, not necessarily being self-centered, but just our human nature is our story is really important to us as individuals. And so what businesses, I think, fail to do in a lot of ways is they fail to come into the story for the customer right? Show the customer how we as a business can fit into your story. And, and, and so what I like to do is I like to try to make what we do at FSG 
fit into the customer story and, and help them see how we make life better for them. Uh, and so that's really what our focus is. I work with a great team. Brent Young is our creative director. Uh, I've got Shelly Nixon who manages our kind of our uh, customer marketing, uh, customer centric marketing, or I'm sorry, our existing customer marketing. And so um, I work with this really good team and we're all focused on understanding what the customer story is that they're living on a daily basis and then how we can fit into that story and make life better for them. And, and yeah, I love doing that. It's It's been a ton of fun. Now, I know for a fact that you and I are extremely similar in a lot of ways. And one of those ways is inefficiency drives us crazy. Absolutely. And that is something that a lot of companies just don't realize. For some reason, it gets lost in all the noise on just how inefficient their facilities are and how much money that literally costs them. It's not a it's not a, a metaphor. It's actually costing them money. So tell me how you approach the inefficiencies that your customers are suffering through that they may not even realize they're, they're experiencing. Well, I think the first thing that we try to do is we try to understand what is their biggest challenge, right? That's, that's the question. I mean, sales 101, if you're going to sell something, you've got to ask the customer, what's the problem? And then what's it worth to you if I fix that problem, right? So um, in our world, you know, you're exactly right. Customers don't realize how much those inefficiencies in their facilities cost, but they do know what their biggest challenge is, right? I mean, if, if I asked you today, Sean, what is your biggest thing, the biggest thing on your mind today that's going to keep you up tonight, you, you're going to have an answer for me, even if you have to think about it for a minute or two. Bacon. So what we, what we, oh, bacon. Well, okay. So with bacon, Sean, are you worried about it being too crispy or being too soft? Not enough. Not enough bacon. Okay. So Sean, if I could come in and provide a solution for you that makes sure that the bacon is always stocked in your refrigerator, how much is that worth to you? Let's do it. Here's my bank card. See, that's the thing. And and that's what we have to do as a business. And so, so yeah, you're right. Customers don't realize how much those inefficiencies are causing, but I guarantee you they know what their pain points are. And so what we do is we try to come in and identify those pain points and, and find where we can ease those pain points using facilities, more efficient facilities. So, um, you know, a great example is we had a customer recently who said, um, you know, uh, it was a fast food customer. And the customer said his biggest challenge is food safety, right? Well, you know, food safety is not in our list of normal deliverables and sellable items if you go to our website. But the reality of it is we can actually tie that customer's facility to food safety because food safety in a fast food industry is all about food temperature, right? Making sure it's cold enough when it's stored, making sure it's hot enough when it's served, right? And so if you think about it, what are the two things that keep the fridge cold and keep the stove hot? Electricity and natural gas. Now, all of a sudden, we're starting to make a connection from the customer's biggest challenge back to their facility and how we can come in and operate that facility a little bit more efficiently to help make sure we're alleviating their challenge. So in that particular case, we go in, we put a sensor on the freezer to make sure the freezer is operating at its peak performance. We go in and we put a sensor on the griddle to make sure the griddle is operating at the right temperature. If either one of those things goes out of spec, we send a text message to the customer. He can immediately solve the problem, move the food to a refrigerated truck if he can't get somebody out there to fix it that day, save, save a bunch of lost food. He can make sure the guys are cooking the food to the right temperature so they don't have food poisoning. And then all of a sudden, we've alleviated one of his biggest challenges through his facility. And he didn't even realize his facility 
could help him alleviate that challenge. The, the, uh, the other benefit in that, too, is that now that we're running that freezer at peak performance, we lower the cost of maintaining it and we potentially lower the cost of its energy consumption. So all of a sudden now he's saving on three fronts. He's answered his challenge, his biggest challenge of food safety. He's lowered his spend on his electric bill potentially because now we're maintaining the freezer. Uh, it, it, the freezer is being maintained uh, better. Uh, and uh, the freezer has lower maintenance intervals or fewer maintenance intervals because we're monitoring its operation. So all of a sudden we've taken care of the biggest challenge and we've put a little bit of icing on the cake at the same time. And that is what we love to do at FSG. You mentioned a few minutes ago that everybody has a story and every customer has a different pain point. They all have a, there's a broad range of challenges that companies face and no two companies are exactly the same, but there is a common thread going through the solutions that you're able to come with up with for all those companies. And that's technology. And that has to be one of the best tools in your toolbox is the fact that technology keeps improving and you get to have the opportunity to leverage those new innovations and the new capabilities to provide even more efficiency and better solutions for your clients. Talk to me about how technology changes your day to day. Oh, you're exactly right, Sean. I mean, if you think about it about 10 years ago, right, this idea, I mean, I think 10 years ago, maybe 20 years ago is a little bit better. I keep losing track of what year it is. But regardless, it wasn't that long ago that each one of the trades out there that keeps a facility operating, your electric, your carpentry, your uh, plumbing, your uh, natural gas, these all of these things that keep these facilities going, they were all pretty much siloed, right? They were, uh, you had people that worked on water, you had people that worked on power, you had people that worked on HVAC, and, and they didn't talk to each other, and they didn't care about what the other one did. As long as the electric guy got the HVAC guy power, and as long as the HVAC guy uh, had water to cool his units. He was happy, right? But now technology has given us the opportunity to take these disciplines and tie them together and, and in such a way that, yeah, the work is still specialized work. We still need plumbers. We still need electricians. We still need HVAC technicians. But now each one of those disciplines is talking to each other. And what's really cool about that is the building is now producing huge amounts of data that the customer can then turn around and turn into business intelligence and decision-making information. And what's really amazing about technology is that this isn't really new per se, quote unquote. Uh, you know, we've seen automated building controls for, for a number of years now. What is new is the size of the sensors, the, the efficiency of the sensors, the ability to put a sensor. Here's a crazy one, Sean. Okay, so you can put a sensor in a toilet bowl now. And that, that sensor is wireless and it's running on a 10-year battery. And so what it will do is it will trigger immediately that, hey, this particular toilet in this particular restroom on this particular floor is running. It needs to be fixed, right? I mean, years ago, the sensor would have just simply said, hey, there's extra water usage on that floor. Now the sensor can actually say it's this toilet in this stall. And, and now we can correlate that data and we can, we can go back to other data that we have from the building, let's say like card access system, right? So when Tom leaves his cubicle, swipes his card to go to the common area to use the restroom, and then we can go look and we can see, hey, the toilet runs every time Tom goes and uses it. Maybe there's something Tom is doing to the toilet. Now we're actually making business information intelligence with multiple sets of data. And that's really where we are. And that's what really gets me excited is to start thinking about all of the ways 
we can start taking multiple streams of data, putting them together and saving businesses money and making life better, not just for the business, but also for the employees. That's really exciting. Poor Tom. All he wanted to do was have five minutes alone. And even that wasn't possible. He's doing something and making that toilet run. I'm telling you, it's Tom's fault. We just got to figure out what it is. Narrow focus has been the the MO up to recently. And now you want a wider focus for everybody to see how they all interconnect. It's almost like before everybody had one piece of the jigsaw puzzle and that's all they ever saw was their piece of the jigsaw puzzle. And now it's much more efficient and beneficial for everyone to get to see the lid on the box to see what the finished puzzle looks like so they can see how everything fits together. And that's something that technology just makes easier and easier as the days go by. You're exactly right. And, you know, it it, it is... We have had such a narrow focus when it comes to our, our individual trades and what we understand and what we know. And, and so it's, it's not just in that we can, we can plan better by thinking about the bigger picture, but now we have the ability once a project is done. So let's just say uh, a high rise in, in downtown Dallas or downtown Houston, right? Or, or, or New York City. We're, we've got several going up in New York City right now that we're working on. So, so now when that project is done, if we've put the sensors in, if we've put the technology in and the controls and, and we're analyzing the data, we can now look and see how well we did at making sure everything works together. So the next high rise that's planned is planned even more efficiently. And so it, it, it's not just in like that first planning phase. It's in that like, oh, wow, look, we can go back now and we can actually see, oh, we all worked well together. That's great. And we all did it right. Now the next one's going to be even better. And it just gets more and more efficient. All of a sudden we start to see um, construction, uh, which historically is a really tight industry. I mean, facility management construction, that's a tight business to be in. The margins are not there. But if we can find ways to be better project managers, better executors, better builders, better maintainers working together through technology, all of a sudden the opportunities to make those margins a little bit sweeter start to increase. Well, that also will start to change the way that not only the the way we construct our buildings from an infrastructure standpoint, but from a design standpoint, but also from a usage standpoint. I think that the fact that technology and data are becoming so manageable, even though there's a massive amount of data that we have to deal with on a daily basis, and we have tools that can help us understand it and parse out what's important and get rid of what's not, that's going to change building design. But even more importantly, I think it's going to change the way we use our buildings. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I think if you think about it, um, it used to be uh, that, uh, you know, we all had to go into an office for work, right? Or, or we all had to go to Walmart to buy what it was we wanted or, or go to the mall to buy something. That's not true anymore. Um, I can work in my particular job. Um, I can work from anywhere in the country as long as I have a laptop and internet connection. Um, I can buy anything I want online. And, and, I, and I live in, uh, you know, down here in Texas. Uh, if I'm in Dallas, working in Dallas, I can, I can literally get something from Amazon within an hour. You know, so uh, online, I don't have to go to a store anymore. So now um, what's happened is um, we're starting to see that these buildings, these commercial buildings that used to be utility, they used to be absolutely required to get a job done or to accomplish a goal. Um, people don't have to go to them anymore. And so what I think we're going to see in the future is I think we're going to see a shift 
from um, facilities being just simply utility to being experiential. So so now, and we're starting to see that in retail for sure. That's a big word right now, creating a retail experience. People will want to go to the mall to experience something, right? People will want to go to the office to experience something, right? So now all of a sudden our buildings have to be uh, autonomous to a certain extent because they are a lot more expensive to operate because they're experiential as exposed to utilitarian and they are um, much more about making sure the people that are running those buildings are creating an experience too, you know? So, so technology gives us the ability to kind of basically not worry about the building and worry more about the experience. And I think that's where we're headed down the road. And so, um, yeah, to that end, technology can make sure the lights are turned off can make sure the lights are turned on when they need to be, can make sure the water is running at the right pressures when it needs to be and, and lower pressures when it doesn't need to be. Uh, it can make sure that that all of these things are happening in the background so that the people in those buildings can be creating experience for the people that visit them. And I think that's where we're headed. Now it's time for a geek speak question or a tech nerd question. Is there a particular piece of technology that has made your day literally a million times easier or more successful or more productive? I would say my car. I know that sounds really weird, but let's think about this for a second. You know, 10 years ago, I could not have bought a car that was connected to the internet. My car is connected to the internet, right? As a mobile employee, being able to work from anywhere and do anything has been one of the biggest advancements for me personally and professionally than anything else I can think of. And, and the truth is that that car um, with all of it has become an office and has become a portable place for me to work. And, and that boggles my mind for this reason. That is one of the oldest pieces of technology we have, <laughs> you know, like if you think about it, if you look around your house, one of the oldest things you have other than probably the house itself is the car sitting in the garage. Like we're talking like late 1800s, early 1900 technology right there. Right. But it is this piece now that is so advanced and can do so many different things for us uh, and it uses technology and it's connected and it's connected while it's going a hundred miles an hour. Oh, I don't go hundred miles out while it's going 65 miles per hour down the road is absolutely incredible to me. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm the little pieces, the phones, all that kind of stuff, email, all that, that's great. But when I look at an old piece of technology, like an automobile, and I think about the fact that while I'm going down the highway in West Texas, I'm connected to the rest of the world through that piece of technology. It's like, holy cow, we've come a long way. <laughs> if you can treat that like an office, I think you can use that as a home office deduction. I think. I'm not exactly sure. Don't quote me on that because I don't know tax law, but I think you should be able to. Yeah, I, I you know, you make a good point. I'm writing that down right now. Let me, let me make that note to check that out later. All right, perfect. So for the last question today, it's a two-parter, and you mentioned old technology. Tell me about a, a project that you got to work on that was an older building and you were able to give it a, an upgrade. Mm -hmm. And then tell me about a new project that you're free to talk about that you're really proud of. So I would say that, um, you know, let's, let's talk about our, our New York operations for a second. We've got two operations in New York. Uh, we've got one in Manhattan um, and we've got one in Long Island. And and both of these operations, of course, in, in New York City, um, there is not a lot of real estate left for building new construction. Um, that is not there. We've, we've pretty much filled it up. So your options, if you're coming in and you're going to build a new building, are 
um, you know, tear down the old one and build a new one or take the old building and turn it into a new building. And so we do see a lot of tear down and, and, and build up there, but we see a lot more come in and turn it into something new. Um, and so, you know, one of the projects that um, I thought was a really uh, cool project up there um, that it, it wasn't even a construction project. So I hope that's OK, but it wasn't really a construction project. It was a uh, project where uh, it, it, it was a repair project. Right. It was coming into this building, this beautiful older building that had been repurposed into luxury condominiums, luxury uh, living. Right. There were a few A-list actors and and sports figures that lived in this particular building right um this building had a uh commercial base at the bottom right had a big uh grocery store that i'll remain nameless because i'm not sure i can actually say their name but it had a big grocery store at the bottom and had a couple of other things it's a very popular building just in the shadow of the world trade center but it was an older building right and it was connected to an old infrastructure and and one of the things that um you know happens when things get old as they wear out right um one of the things that happened in new york city not too long ago was we had a big storm hurricane sandy came through or storm sandy came through flooded a lot of things and and it flooded a lot of the old electrical systems underground so new york city has experienced a lot of issues with electrical systems underground what was really cool about this project was you had this beautiful remodeled building with an old electrical system connecting connected to an old electrical system and so our guys had to go in and figure out a way to take that old electrical system out of the ground, put it above ground, right? Get the building uh, back up to code and back connected over, I don't know, several months this project took. And the whole time this project is going on, it can't be connected to electricity. So the building is actually being run off of a generator. Now, a generator to run a building this big is massive. We're talking it's the size of an 18-wheeler, okay? And and so they had to bring this generator in, set it up, connect it so that they didn't disrupt the, the tenants, so that they didn't disrupt the uh, people on the first floor that are running the grocery store, and they had to keep this building alive while they transferred the main power from the old system underground to a new system above ground. Uh, and, 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 and that right there is when you look at it, it's really an old trade job. It's There's not a whole lot of technology that went into it except for all of the planning and the execution because technology made it possible for them to go in, build the plan efficiently, build the plan economically to come in and retrofit this old building and bring this old building to life and, and keep the tenants and keep everybody happy. And, and, and what was just really fascinating to me about this job was the fact that um, there were no complaints. There were a bunch of parking tickets, apparently, for the generator that they parked on the street. But other than that, there were no complaints. And, 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 and at the end of the day, the, the tenant was just thrilled that we were able to come in and do such a massive job and such a massive undertaking um, and, and, and get this old building, bring this old building new life, if you will, and, 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 and really um, keep them connected and keep them happy. And so that's, that's my old building project that I really like. Again, it's not a really a, a big technology project, except that. We used technology to solve the customer's problem. And most of that technology was used in the planning and, and design phase, right? Now, some of the newer projects that I'm really excited about are all of these projects that take the things that I just talked about, those sensors, right, on the toilet, right, about Tom. 
Um, we've got projects like that where we're going in and, and, and it's not traditional electricity. It's not traditional lighting. It's traditional. Uh, uh, it's, it's not traditional stuff that a normal electrical contractor works on. It's taking the plumbing and, 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 and um, uh, measuring how much water is going down the drain. It's, it's taking a sensor and putting it on a dumpster. We have one retailer that we've done this with where uh, their dumpsters were getting picked up too often and, and that was costing them a lot of money. And so we came in and we said, well, hey, what if we put sensors on the dumpsters to sense when they needed to be picked up and you only ordered pickups when it was time for them to be picked up? Oh, y'all can do that? Yeah, we can do that. So we did that. Saved them a ton of money. Um, we had a, a project recently uh, where we took um, sensors and we were measuring another retailer. We were measuring their consumption. Their consumption was uh, their energy consumption. They had some goals to reduce it by about 18%. Um, we promised them that they were going to reduce it by 18%, but come to find out it wasn't being reduced and we didn't know why. Well, it turns out they actually installed an appliance after we did these energy reduction uh, and, and, and metering project. They installed another appliance that was eating up that 18% of savings. So when we were able to identify that other appliance, we were able to go back to them and say, hey, look, this appliance is eating your 18% savings. And it's not even your appliance. You're charging a lease to the person that's putting this appliance in your retail store. You need to charge more for that. And so they went and they did that and they save money. Those are the types of new projects that get me really excited. Those projects where we can come in and we identify a problem that isn't that traditional electrical problem like the old building example, but is something that's like, Wow, that doesn't sound like something an electrical contractor would do, but we can. We have a solution to fix it. Those are the ones that get me super excited. One of your favorite parts of any project has to be when the customer just stops and says, oh, y'all can do that? It, it, it is. It's tons of fun. And it, it, it can be fun, but it can also be a really, really big derailer if you're in a sales conversation. Because, you know, any salesman knows when you're in the conversation and you're in there selling and, and then all of a sudden something distracts it, you know, it can be like, oh, man, we just totally lost track. But no, you're right. It is a ton of fun. Oh, you guys do that as well. You do that as well. And so, you know, at FSG, what we've learned over the years, 35 years now in business, what we've learned over the years is that, you know, businesses sell things, right? Businesses sell things and services. And a lot of times we think that's what we do. Well, we sell light bulbs, so we must do that. But that's not true. What a business does is a business makes life better for somebody. That's what a business does. And people that are, that are successful in business recognize that and they embrace that. And so for us, when we can say to a customer, when the customer says to us, yeah, the light bulb is, is, is bad. I need a new light bulb. Can you guys sell me a light? Yes, we can sell you a light bulb. But you know what my real problem is? My real problem is food safety. I have no idea if those cooks in the kitchen are cooking those hamburgers to temperature. And when I can say, you know what? I can help you with that. And their eyes open up big and wide and like, wait, what? I thought you guys just sell light bulbs. Oh, you're exactly right, Sean. That's the gold. That's what gets me up in the morning and fired up for work. Well, I'm really fired up that I had a chance to talk to you today. This is really very cool. I really enjoy getting to talk to someone who is so passionate about the the changes they get to make on just a micro scale individually of transaction with from one person to another. I'm always just thrilled when I when I meet someone who's had an opportunity to do that in their professional life. And that sounds like what you get to do at FSG. Today, I've had the pleasure of having a conversation with the director of marketing for FSG, Brandon Borland. Brandon, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. 
If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.